lean towards Messer because I think Messer's being very is, careful. I like Luke. Yeah. He likes yeah. himself. I think sure. that's so weird. <laughs> I like Jen. Stay tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content. More conversation coming up after this week's edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning, I'm Dan Spieler. Welcome to another special edition of In Focus. The Indiana primary one month from today. And this week we're sitting down with all three of the Republican candidates for U.S. Senate. What's been called the nation's nastiest GOP primary. We'll hear more of our interviews with Congressman Luke Messer and former state rep Mike Braun. But first, Congressman Todd Rokita reacts to the latest news from the campaign trail. All right, we're here now with Congressman Todd Rokita. Thank you so much for being with us. You today. bet. You As bet. the Senate campaign continues, a lot of new campaign ads are out this week. You've got a new ad where you're, you're wearing the Make America Great Again hat, calling your opponents uh, rhinos, Republicans in name only. You've called Luke Messer out for not supporting President Trump back in the primaries, but now the AP has uh, unearthed this clip from an interview you gave uh, right here on this program uh, back in 2016. As we look at what Marco Rubio has done in the last couple of days, does he have a path moving forward as we sit here today? Oh, he absolutely does. You know, he's the standard bearer for the mainstream Republican Party, uh, but also for people who want the best candidate, especially when you see Marco uh, contrasted with Donald Trump. I mean, someone who's vulgar, you know, if not profane. The one that I knew that could help me help Hoosiers best was Marco. The other ones are great, too. And, and even if it's Donald Trump, I will be supporting Donald Trump. Uh, but <clears throat> Marco is clearly the best candidate. All right, I'm going to let you respond to that. You also said of Trump, quote, at some point you have to act presidential. Some may see this and ask, are you merely pandering to the president's base now? Is it fair to call out your opponents when, when you've said similar things? You know, because it's really my opponents who are pandering. I mean, that's why the Trump uh, Indiana team from 16 uh, is supporting me, because I was the only one that was with them pushing the president when it mattered most. When we were going against crooked Hillary Clinton, as, and I g give you credit for playing the whole clip, I even say back then, absolutely I'll be supporting the president. So, and, and we did. And, and thank the Lord, because I think we saved the country, those of us who supported Donald Trump. Meanwhile, one of my opponents was a never Trumper. His finance team continues to be never Trumpers. Luke Messer is the one pandering every vote he takes now has to be exactly in line with the president. He's got no choice. And I think that's a very unhealthy position to be in. Mike Braun, he was voting Democrat his entire adult life. He was nowhere to be found. So absolutely, the one guy in this race that was pro-Trump and that will be the best ally for Donald Trump is Todd Rakita. Again, in 2016, you called Trump vulgar, if not profane. Do you still find him vulgar? Well, I'll tell you what, he's not politically correct. And you know what? I've come to love that about him. That clip you're showing is early early, 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 and we're all allowed to pick, you know, who we think is the best candidate in the primary. Uh, but, and, and I, will, I like Marco Rubio. Uh, he, was, he was the one I did most of my legislation with. So I didn't know Donald Trump. But the more I got to know about Donald Trump, the more I appreciate the fact that he's not politically correct. Do you think that he's, he's changed? That, and in, I in love how he's going against the liberal media elite. And that's why people love him. That's why my voters like him. That's why I like him, because he's turning this thing on its head. And, he's, he's, and he has, there is no doubt, there is no doubt now 
that he is wanting to put the interests of America first. And that's why I support him, and that's why I support his policies, and that's why I'm going to be the best ally for him in the Senate. But is there a disconnect between what you said there? You also said Rubio was the right guy because he was uh, the Republican mainstream candidate, the standard bearer. Is there a disconnect with that kind of language and, and defeat the I mean, elite and, and the way you No, absolutely not. We're here to defeat the elite because we clearly understand, and President Trump has showed, and, and, and I was with Trump very early on. Now here's my interview with Mike Braun. You hit back at uh, Todd Rokita this week uh, about his comments uh, from this program two years yeah. ago, uh, calling uh, then-candidate Donald Trump uh, vulgar. Rokita kind of hit back, again, talking about your, your record of voting in some Democratic primaries. Right. Uh, what do you make of this, of this uh, latest dust-up? Let's take the first part of it. Uh, I think when you've been around as long as they've been in politics, the truth will come out. I know that was two years ago, but in kind of a hypocritical way, he has been trying to depict himself as defeat the elite. And when you were outwardly for Marco Rubio and you made a statement like that, I think that's going to reverberate all the way to D.C. And the only thing you'll find me on record is that Donald Trump was an inspiration that actually got me to do this because I saw a guy from the outside not a career politician, make it through the gauntlet of the 2016 primary, the only one that could have taken Hillary Clinton out, and now you see that hypocrisy. And along with Todd's also talked about his voting record. Well, he's voted with John Boehner and Luke Messer and probably a lot of times Joe Donnelly, and then changes his tune right in an election year. And I think that's a tough thing to do because people will see that. You'll get busted on that. I was a state rep for three years and a career businessman before that. That's a clear difference. He's also hit you uh, on the tax issue, saying he's the only candidate who's never voted to raise taxes, uh, hitting you for some of the votes on, on, well, the, on the gas tax. Go back to 2015. Todd Rokita says that uh, he would advocate for a federal gas tax and that he would encourage the states to do the same thing. And that, again, is out there on the public record. And I think voters... First of all, they're going to learn about it in an election like this. And when they see somebody that's a chameleon, you know, they're going to not trust that individual to be there. And, you know, Luke Messer, Todd Rokita, Joe Donnelly, they got to carry responsibility. They've been part of the system, and they've got records to show it. And this stuff will get flushed out by the time the primary is over. And it's going to really be flushed out if they were, you know, in the general. And I don't think they could beat Joe Donnelly. Now here's my interview with Congressman Luke Messer. Uh, Mike Braun's got some flashy ads, but you know they, they don't tell you that he's a lifetime Democrat who served in public office for 14 years, uh, raised taxes dozens of times. And Todd Rakita, you know, he runs around the state yelling Trump, Trump, Trump. But the reality is, when it comes to tough votes to support the Trump Pence agenda. Todd votes no, no, no. You're talking about the spending bill recently. He voted no, you voted for the spending well, not, not, bill. Who not, do you think Hoosier voters will side with well, on listen, that? Listen, not just on that bill. Listen, the commander-in-chief said that we need to support that bill because our men and women serving in the armed services need support. It has a pay raise for our military, uh, and, it, and it also provides uh, billions of dollars in additional funding. We've got men and women today that are unfortunately dying in service because they don't have the equipment 
that they need. But Todd didn't just vote against that bill. He voted uh, against the, the president's national security reforms. He voted against his airline reforms, too. And on some of the most important votes of the Trump agenda, Todd hasn't been there. Specifically, he calls you a never-Trumper in some of the ads. Uh, said that you supported amnesty, blamed you for raising taxes, apparently referring to Governor Daniels' budget. He's also been highlighting your wife's job with the city of Fishers. What is your response to, to all of these Listen, one, um, I'm laser focused on Joe Donnelly, and that's what Indiana Republicans are looking for. But again, Todd Rakita is just making things up. I mean, the reality is, is I voted for President Trump in the primary, supported him through the election, and have supported him more in, in service in Congress than Todd Rakita did. Uh, I have worked with the president to end tax credits for illegal immigrants and have been tough on, on uh, those issues. And I worked with Governor Daniels to balance Indiana's budget in one year without raising taxes. Every Indiana Republican knows Governor Daniels didn't raise taxes in his first year in office. I tell you, though, what we got to do is focus on the hopes and dreams of Hoosiers. That's why most Hoosier Republicans are supportive of the Trump agenda, because they see these tax cuts have our economy growing again. They see this president's America first policies are improving our national security. They want an ally in the United States Senate that will vote, work with the president and support Hoosiers. They don't have that now with Joe Donnelly. What they have with Joe Donnelly is somebody who, you know, talks conservative back home and frankly goes to Washington and votes with his liberal allies. You talked about voting for Trump in the primary. Uh, you did give an interview, though, where you talked about the possibility of a contested convention back in 2016. Well, is that what he's referencing here? And, I, and should voters hold you to account uh, for that, voters who do uh, side yeah. with the president? Listen, um, those comments that Todd has taken, they're taken out of context. I mean, you saw this week Todd had some pretty ugly comments to say about President Trump. Um, I was asked a question about, you know, uh, whether we would follow the rules of the convention. I answered that, that question. I supported this president in the primary. I supported him through the election. And most importantly, I've supported him in my service in Congress. And I'm going to support him in the United States Senate, which is what most Indiana Republicans want to see out of our United States senator. All right, we have much more of these interviews on our website at fox59.com slash in focus, and you'll be seeing more of these interviews in the coming days as well. We've got much more ahead this Sunday in focus on this wild primary battle. Coming up, we will talk with our panel to get their analysis on the interviews you just saw and what's next in the race for Senate. Plus, we're also talking today about the race for Congress in Indiana's 9th Congressional District. We'll be talking with candidate Dan Cannon coming up after the break. He's one of a group of Democrats looking to unseat freshman Congressman Trey Hollingsworth. We'll be back with much more right after this. Stick around on this special edition of In Focus. All right, let's bring in our panel right now. Tony Samuel was vice chair of the Indiana Trump campaign in 2016, along with former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy and former communications director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner. One month, one month now till this primary, right? You guys just saw the interviews with the Republican Senate candidates. What do you think? I love every minute of it. I do. I see two guys who are career politicians beating each other to death. I see one guy who doesn't have probably a great shot of running it up the middle toward the toward the goalposts, but um, the more they fight, the better off Joe Donnelly is, because that's the contrast. And I think unlike in past cycles, you've got a really clear contrast between Joe Donnelly, who's just there doing his job. Sometimes he votes with Trump, sometimes he doesn't. He, he reflects 
you know, who's your common sense? And then you've got these other three guys who are just clobbering each other on the daily. It's enjoyable as a Democrat. Is all of this clobbering going to hurt the eventual Republican nominee? I think in the long run, no. I think the Republican nominee will be strong, whichever the three it turns out to be. You know, the problem is what we're seeing is human nature here. When stress occurs and pressure's on, you naturally revert to your old self, right? The, the, the part of you that has become successful through life. So Rokita's an attack dog. Messer thinks he's the incumbent already. And then you got uh, uh, Braun, you know, trying to uh, be the outside guy, but he's making some rookie mistakes. If I were him, I'd keep a mouth shut and put another million dollars into that commercial. He's got another story out this week. Uh, we're going to be talking about that in a minute. But again, back to Rokita and uh, how he handled this whole situation this past week. Uh, again, here's the quote uh, from Rokita on our show two years ago. Tony he said, when you see Marco contrasted with Donald Trump, someone who is vulgar, if not profane, at some point he said of Trump, you have to be presidential. Uh, the Indiana Trump campaign supported, has supported Rokita and said he's been the guy with Trump all along the way. How do you square that with uh, the comment from a couple well, of years first, back? Well, first, yeah, let me remind everybody why Rex Early, who was our uh, Trump 2016 campaign chairman and I was the vice chairman, uh, why we are uh, uh, supporting, you can say, Todd, because he was with us. And when he did that interview with you and, and said that he was with uh, Trump uh, when it counted, uh, we absolutely agree with that. I was the one that took a phone call from Todd, not from Luke Messer, not from... Mike Braun. There were several state legislators that contacted us that wanted to help, but Luke, or I'm sorry, Todd Rokita was the only from the congressional delegation that contacted us and said, "Hey, what can I do?" I got him uh, scheduled on two radio interviews up in uh, Hammond on WJOB and one on WIBC, and then he did other things on his own. That meant a lot to Rex and I because we were traveling all over the state in the last nine weeks of the campaign. We went to over 50 county visits talking to GOP folks and Trump voters, and a lot of those Trump voters were folks that were saying, hey, we hadn't voted in decades. Uh, some were saying they'd never voted. They were waiting for a guy like Todd Rokita. They were the forgotten ones out there. I'm, I'm sorry, waiting for a guy like Donald Trump, but, but it was Rokita that was identifying with those folks but as well. Because he's been so out. out there on the trail supporting Donald Trump, does this quote hurt him more than it might one of the other candidates? Well, I, I think it, it really comes down to uh, consistency and a, and a lack of hypocrisy. Everybody has a right to, to jump from one horse to another if they want to. It happens all the time in primary races. But it really comes down to the definition of early. How early was he with Trump? He wasn't with Trump until Rubio dropped out in maybe February or March or something like that. I can't remember exactly what day it was. But he, he should be handling this much differently. He should be saying, I don't uh, defend the profanity of Donald Trump, but he's our president and I back him. That would get him clear right there. But instead, he's stumbling all over himself. can't do that because well, this is a race to the right. This is a primary that's 30 days from today, and it is a race to see who can get more close to Donald Trump to win over that, that portion of the Republican electorate. What happens on that next Wednesday? There's a general election. So I think this is going to be problematic for whomever comes out of it other than maybe Mike Braun, who probably doesn't have a great chance, because they're going to be running with Donald Trump. And this is a midterm. This is not 2016. This is 2018. Those are notoriously bad for the incumbent, no matter which party, which president. And I think it's going to be bad for, for one of those two guys. Might the eventual winner of this primary sort of move a little bit back toward the middle? Is that what you're... I don't know how you move back to the middle from this. Suggesting well, I think I think Rokita will be the one that's truest to himself. He's always been this, this type of candidate and this type of individual. He's bold. Uh, he's courageous, and uh, he was for Trump. Now, I didn't say he was there early. Everybody was for somebody else 
except Rex and I, really, in Indiana uh, uh, back in February. This was before Super Tuesday. So he was doing what he could for the candidate that he was backing. And like he said, he'd worked with Rubio uh, on legislation quite a bit, and I'm sure they had a good relationship. Messer, I have to correct uh, what he said. He was not for Trump in the primary he, either. Uh, I believe he was for Jeb Bush. He says he voted in the Indiana primary, yeah. right, for Rokita. He was for Jeb Bush. Uh, he was until a Bush, Jeb Bush guy. He may out. even have had a little slice of Kasich in there, too, at one point. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of jumping around to do, and, and I don't have any problem with that, as long as people are honest about the fact, yes, I'm now with somebody, and this is why I'm doing it. This now, now, the vote in the primary, I, I think it was just down, I know it was at that down point. to... To Trump, Trump Cruz, uh, and Kasich, Kasich though he had essentially yeah. Does any of this exactly. matter to real voters? I have no idea. Now, it will matter <laughs> if the president comes in and cuts ads, and that could cut both ways. Yeah, we'll I see. don't think he's that popular. All right, so Rakita and this primary receiving a lot of national attention this week as well, not just because of the interview he did here. The Washington Post described Rakita's new commercial as the all-consuming tribalism of, Republican, of Trump's Republican Party in one thirty-second ad. And the headline in the New York Times, in Indiana, bruising GOP primary Fights worry party leaders, but as you heard in the interview there, Rokita not afraid to take on uh, the national media, really wearing this badge proudly the same way the president does. Uh, might some people ask after all of this this week, is that genuine? Well, he certainly, he's, he's, uh, he's always been Todd Rokita, that's for sure. Um, he has been a generally a good congressman as well. I mean, he's voting as conservative. He, was, he voted against the uh, big spending bill spending a couple bill, weeks ago, right. which I was happy to see. But he's sliding into this, what I would call this Mike Delft style of campaigning, which is, you know, any press release weeks. you can throw out, uh, any cause you can take up to try to get more right. attention. It's just not good. Real quick, i got to mention this report as well, the highlighting uh, Mike Braun's stint in the legislature, uh, during which Braun worked on legislation to reduce taxes and regulations on an industry uh, that he uh, was involved in financially. I should point out, this story broke after the interview we did with Braun this past week but something that could be in the news over the next few weeks as well. All right, coming up next, our interview with Democrat Dan Cannon, who's running for Congress in Indiana's 9th Congressional District. Stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Also talking today about the race for Congress in Indiana's 9th Congressional District. Three Democrats looking to unseat freshman Congressman Trey Hollingsworth. The two leading candidates in the Democratic primary have already been raising a lot of money out on the trail. We spoke with Liz Watson a few weeks ago. Today we're sitting down with candidate Dan Cannon, a civil rights attorney in southern Indiana. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for working us in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You look at what happened in the uh, Pennsylvania special election this year. Democrats there winning a district that uh, Trump won by 20 points. Can you win in this district? The incumbent Trey Hollingsworth won by double digits two years ago. Is it going to take a, a blue wave for you to win here? Well, you know, look, the blue wave is something that is um, a positive for us, right? You know, if we think that there's going to be a blue wave, uh, we think that there's going to be a lot of um, progressive energy, a lot of democratic energy in the district this time around. Uh, but we can't depend solely on that. I mean, I think that we do have to do a lot of legwork. Um, to earn back the voters, you know, to earn back the votes of, of people in this district. And we got to do a lot of legwork to turn up uh, new voters and give them something excited about um, coming out to vote for, not just focusing on voting against Trump or voting against the other guy. You know? It is a contested primary. Why do you believe you're the Democrat who's best positioned to win? Well, um, I've been here in this district for my entire life, and I've been um, here on the ground representing people, you know, um, in my community, uh, mostly in the 
South and New Albany, Jeffersonville, Clarksville, and those areas. Um, and I've good, got a good sense of how to relate to voters here. I mean, it's just kind of what it comes down to. Um, when I got out of law school, I went to work right away representing people in my community and trying to solve real problems on the ground for real people. You know, So I've been working on these problems in the Ninth District um, in Indiana for a long time, and I've experienced a lot of those problems myself. You know, So I, mean, I think a lot of what people are fed up with in terms of status quo politicians, we saw a major rejection of the status quo in 2016. Um, and I think a lot of what people are fed up with is being represented by people that don't understand what they're going through. What do you got to do final month here to differentiate yourself from your opponent, your main opponent in this primary, Liz Watson? She's also raised a, a, a lot of money so far sure. on the campaign trail. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think that, that we, you know, I respect Liz a lot and I think that she's a very good candidate. Um, and but I think that we are very different candidates. You know, um, I uh, as I've said before when we were talking about my background, um, I've been here for my entire life, and I've been um, here solving problems on the ground, real problems that are really faced by uh, people in the Ninth District. And I've experienced a lot of those problems myself. You know, um, I. I didn't go straight from high school into the best colleges and into the biggest law firms and into the biggest cities um, in, in the country. I've been here um, and doing this work here. So, I mean, I think there's a big difference between um, us as far as who we are as candidates and also um, our ability to relate to a wide swath of Indiana voters in a general election. You know, in terms of specific policy things, we, we've talked about, you know, we touched on a couple of different things. Uh, the abolition of ICE, um, that is, is a prominent example, a guaranteed jobs program, uh, you know, things that I think are good ideas for the future of America, things that I think are a good idea, that are good ideas for the people of Indiana. Um, that my opponents in the primary have not come out in favor of. And so, you know, um, I think that they'll eventually get there, but I'm proud to be sort of leading the way on those ideas in those discussions. Dan Cannon, we look forward to hearing more from you on the campaign trail. Thanks, Thanks so much a lot, for coming Dan. in. Appreciate we appreciate it. it. We'll be back uh, to wrap things up right after this. Let's wrap it up with this week's winners and losers. Tony. I'm going to say my kids, uh, Lily and Noah, my wife Anita, and I took them for their spring break to D.C. It was their first trip. We went to the White House Easter egg roll, so they're the winners. And also Melania Trump for doing a great job they had a good with time that Easter egg roll. Sure, Mike. I'd say uh, all Hoosiers, uh, my grandkids, my kids, because we're going to have to pay a lot more money for an interest on the national debt over the next several years. And I have to say the winner would be Danny Lopez, a major new assignment for Governor Holcomb. Yeah. Okay, my winner, also my kids. We were in Disney World, not nearly as fun as the White House. Actually, probably more fun and more expensive. Uh, and my loser has to be uh, anyone with money in the stock market because uh, all this up and down with the trade war with China has been really bad for uh, investors. All right, we'll see you again next Sunday in Focus. So on our podcast here today, you guys mentioned at the end of the program on TV a little bit about going on vacation. Yeah. Tony, you were at the White House with your kids, the White House Easter egg roll. Yeah, Jennifer, great Jennifer, you guys were down in Disney World. Yep, happiest place on earth. Uh, so why don't we talk a little bit about today, today about politics from the perspective of your vacation, and maybe you got away from it for a few days, Sure. but how people view politics at Disney World versus how they view it at the White House Easter egg roll might be a little bit different, right? Yeah, I, uh, it was good to be among, uh, in a place where you're among uh, Trump supporters uh, at, the, at the White House, on the lawn. About a thousand people, it's amazing what they do. I, I had no idea, it was the first time. But there's an Easter egg roll, there's an Easter egg hunt, there's coloring eggs, there's uh, 
Color and Cookies, there's the, the Marine Corps band playing, um, different folks reading to kids. So, so it was a pretty it was big really, event. It was a yeah. big event, much bigger than I had imagined. Um, people with Trump hats, so, you know, wearing Trump hats and uh, all supportive of the president. So it was good to be there. It was good to be in D.C. and a great experience for the kids. It was their first oh, sure. time yeah. uh, in D.C. What at Disney World did you see that in a roundabout kind of way at all reminded you of, of the political conversation we're all having every day? I think notably absent, and it's been a couple years since I was at Disney, but the last time I was there was in the thick of the election. Nobody was talking about politics, um, whereas a couple years ago that was all you would overhear in conversation. And I don't know. I mean, Disney is a cross-section of America. This is yeah. obviously spring break time. Well, in Epcot Center, you think, I mean, nations around yeah. the world, right? And you really didn't hear as much, um, and I eavesdrop on everybody's conversations, so just be warned if I'm around you, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> um, and there really wasn't um, that, that sense of, of anger, um, and I don't know what that means for the country, if it was just a bunch of families who were you know, overpaying for Mickey ice cream bars and they were focused on <laughs> that, but it was a very different mood than it was a couple years ago, even a year ago, when people were, were visibly uh, angry about what was going on in the country. Mike, I don't know where you traveled this week. Well, I right? was at the uh, Southport egg roll. I actually <laughs> rolled an egg down my driveway. Wow. It was pretty exciting stuff That's in Moss a, Creek subdivision. So well, that sounds like a pretty good time for yeah, Easter, it right? Was. Uh, <laughs> we're in the thick of this primary right now. One month to go. We had interviews with with all three of the GOP candidates on the show uh, this week, and you can find more of those on our on our website. We'll have more of those on the podcast. We're going to be doing some other kind of neat interactive tools where you can see different questions and how they responded to them. Um, but back to this uh, Todd Rokita story that broke, and it was it kind of went <laughs> national this week about an interview he did here with our Matt Smith two years ago, uh, where he called the president vulgar. Is that going to hurt him, Tony? I mean, you guys have been uh, supporting, uh, mm -hmm. supportive of Rokita because he's supported the president, uh, perhaps longer than the other candidates. But a comment like that, though it was two years back, could that hurt him uh, with, with some Indiana voters? I think... Uh, maybe some that aren't paying as close uh, as close of attention to the, to the race, because if they hear that, they see the headline, and they they write him off if they're if they're very supportive of the president. So hopefully that's not the case, because if you if they you know got a chance to hear what what Rex and I would say, it really mattered uh, leading up to the convention and after the convention against Hillary. Um, more than it did when you had 16 candidates and everybody, like I said uh, on the show, everybody was supporting somebody else except Rex and I. So, uh, you know, uh, Luke Messer supported Jeb Bush, Todd Rokita supported um, Marco Rubio, but what really matters is what you, how you acted afterwards when you had to get on, on board with your candidate because others uh, and, and Luke was one of them, and there were others in Indiana, and there's others nationwide, and they still do it to today. Today, will criticize the president every chance they get. They'll play into what the Democrats and the liberal media are doing. They'll go on CNN, which Luke Messer did, and they will question the president or distance themselves from the president. That's what I'm talking about. Todd Rokita never did that, and that's why it was important to us uh, to let folks know that Rokita didn't do that, that he was with the president once he was on board. He never backed away, he never distanced himself, and he never did anything that now results in lower poll numbers than what the president the, should The should calculus have. you described there is one in which um, you know, candidates think in this Republican primary, voters 
want someone who is always with the president in lockstep. Do you think that is what this Republican electorate, most of the Republican electorate wants, or do they want someone who might occasionally um, question the president? I'd say as of you know the first week in April of 2018, I think that's true. I don't think it hurts Rikita right now because all three of these guys are trying to climb so far onto Trump's back, it's incredible. The question comes in November, if Trump is Trump still going to be that popular, and is it still going to be such an advantage to have been, you know, such a Trump sycophant? And that's what Donald will use against him, I think. You know, what we're learning about these guys, though, in the last several weeks and probably the next few weeks even more so is get back to the uh, Disney World visit. None <laughs> of these three are Snow White, that's for sure. No, no, they're not, I don't even, I, I can't even process that princess analogy. Are we going to try to assign characters to all of them? I don't know I'm talking about purity. I'm talking about purity. There's no purity candidates in this race. I think, I think right. you make a good point, Mike, and I think this is something that, you know, again, I've said this time and again, this is not 2016. Hillary Clinton is not on the ballot this year, and I, I maintain that if she had not been on the ballot in 2016, I think you would have seen a lower margin. I think Donald Trump still would have won Indiana but I think he would have seen a lower margin than the 18, 19 points that he won by. This is a different environment. We've now endured you know, 18 months, no, not that long, sorry, 15 months of him as president. And I think people, we are seeing this in special elections, in other elections, have a different view of him now that they've seen him leading the country. Whatever that may be, I think they're gonna see a really clear contrast between whomever comes out of this chaotic primary on y'all's side of the aisle versus Joe Donnelly, who's never changed his stripes. Who do you think he wants to face? Ooh, I don't know. I've always maintained that I think that Messer would be the easiest candidate to beat. Hmm. And only because, and this is because I've I lived through the Evan Bayh 2016 race, and Luke Messer is very similar to Evan Bayh. He is in many ways Some of those residency target. questions, and Resi we had yeah, some of that here. in the uh, extra bonus content on the interview. Yeah, um, he doesn't live here, he, and that's, easy, that's an easy thing for people He had a campaign event he missed this yeah. week uh, well. because he missed a flight <laughs> from D.C. Um, what do you think to that question? Who, who does Donnelly want to face? Who do Democrats I think Donnelly would probably want to, I agree with, with uh, Jennifer, either Messer or Braun, because um, there's going to be, I think, a growing distrust of Braun uh, for, on Republicans, on the Republican side, because of his votes uh, in Democrat primaries. But there was also this New York Times article where Bob Graham came out and said, uh, Rokita is Murdoch and Messer is uh, Luger, and maybe it's a mistake to put up Rokita because he could have that Murdoch. But, but let's be honest here. Todd Rokita was a creation of Bob Grands until they had some kind of a falling out, the nature of which I'm not privy to, maybe. and they are not close anymore. Yeah, and so it does, definitely a it doesn't surprise me that Bob uh, Grant totally attacked Messer. Todd Rikita in the New York Times. That yeah. being said, he is a live wire. Rikita is a live wire, well, which I, is why I, people I, like I, him, I, I think. I, and I would. I would disagree. Rokita is uh, a, a little more blunt than the typical, typical candidate. Bolder, uh, you know, that's what we have in our president. That's what a lot of Hoosiers like and, and, and folks across the country. I do want to go back to one point. I didn't say, uh, and I don't mean to uh, imply that the best candidate is the one that's most in lockstep with Trump. I think it's fine to vote uh, the opposite way. And I actually, think Rokita did on the spending and he did bill, on the spending bill. He had every good reason to remember Trump. Was on that. Trump was ready to veto it. He could have right. seemed like he could have gone either way because he wasn't getting what he wanted for border security for the wall. Like he signed it, but he needed to get yeah. it. Yeah, he needed to get what we what we needed for the military, like Mike. Which allows out, Rokita and Messer to each stake a claim on that. Yeah. And on I, that particular I vote think the because, race could come right. down to that. To that one vote. 
because not only was it defense, you know, uh, Ambassador said my commander in chief asked me to do this. Um, obviously, uh, Rokita saw a huge burgeoning of the, the deficit of the national debt. But you also, we were talking about hardcore Republicans. You also had $500 million in there for Planned Parenthood. You had other, a lot of little nuggets in there, 642 um, earmarks for the Defense Department that didn't even want. So mm -hmm. I think in, in that particular interest, or that instance, Rokita won big. Sounds like things you might hear in a campaign commercial over the next few weeks once you go through that's the what five I would do. Yeah. Once And that's I think y'all are overstating how much actual real voters, you know, not primary voters, are paying attention to this. And I think ultimately it comes down to likability. I've always said that the candidate that people can relate to more, that they like more, is the one that they wind up voting for as long as there aren't glaring flaws. And I think that this time around it's going to be Joe. Well, in the primary, that would lean towards Messer because I think Messer's being very is, careful. I like Luke. Yeah, he likes yeah. himself. I think sure. that's so weird. <laughs> I like Jen. The, Tony I'll likes Tony. Like Luke him. likes Mike. The funniest, the, one of the, I like Mike was a good slogan like back Mike in the day, right? It's true. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I like Mike. But one of the funnier <laughs> moments of this entire campaign that was, I think, it was Maureen Grappi wrote early on before the cardboard cutouts that Luke and Rokita looked alike, and I heard was told through the grapevine that Luke was very upset that anybody would say he oh, looked like Todd gosh. Rokita. I think Todd was Wow, back to the Disney Princess <laughs> analogies. Oh, Come on, guys. Oh, boy. Well, this was fun, fun today as we uh, get closer and closer to this uh, pivotal May primary and more national attention uh, here in Indiana. I think there will continue to be over the next few weeks. Uh, keep it right here on In Focus for the best election coverage and on our podcast every week as well. We'll be talking about politics, having a little bit of fun, too, and talking vacation as well. Welcome back right. to Indiana, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>